0: And there are sometimes I think people will go to this passage and say, that's how we need to live today. We need to just kind of develop this huge Christian commune and everyone just sells off what they have and everyone just puts it in a big pot in the middle. And we all kind of, you know, kind of have, you know, we just take out of the pot what we need and, and all of that. And, and I don't know that that's, If you're taking that away from this passage, I don't think you're getting what this passage is trying to say. I don't think this is a recipe for communism or socialism. I think what this is an an indication of that as God was forming his new people, he was evidencing that when that new people is completely reoriented around him and doing life his way, there is going to be fruit And they're both kind of emotionally and within life, but then also numerically, that that's people are going to be added. When you think about the profound influence of the Bible on the world, the way that it has shaped our culture, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, it's probably a good idea that you know at least what it says. It's going to be about us taking and reading... The Bible. All right. Well, welcome back to the Take and Read podcast. So excited because I get to have Parker Smith back on the podcast, back in studio. How you doing, brother?
1: I'm hot, but I'm here.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> if anyone is tuning in in the middle of January, recognize that Parker is in Texas, and it is still July, and it is, yeah, it's hot. It's hot.
1: I honestly don't remember the last time that it rained. Really? It's that are time of like year those... when you start seeing all the brown spots, the weaknesses in your sprinkler system because it's the only <laughs> water that it's getting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: And do you, like, on movies, they always depict, you know, the the dust bowl kind of having those big cracks in the earth just because it's so dry. Do you see that when you drive around?
1: Not that big, but there are definitely huge cracks in the ground. Uh, at the farm right now, I was trying oh, yeah. to put in the, uh, I'm like officially suburban dad life now. And I care about my lawn. And so I was like trying to put in the little gauge so you could see how much, uh, each the area town. of, of the, the lawn is getting how much water. And I couldn't even get it into the ground cause the ground was so hard. <laughs> anyway.
0: So needless to say it needs more water. Yeah. Are you guys do you guys have any kind of water ban where you're only allowed to use water at certain times? Are there any restrictions?
1: Yeah, it's one day a week and then they actually just banned all outdoor watering for like four days in uh, in our city, oh. which I've never seen before, but apparently it's it's happened before. But it was something to do with the water pressure and the drought and so yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean so I'm, I'm not, thinking not like great.
0: Some some John some gospel of John the Samaritan woman at the well and you know just the importance of water but the water that he provides you will never thirst again i mean you guys can relate to that
1: yeah so true
0: <laughs> well uh since it's been a while and we we haven't spoken give me some some life updates uh i don't know if if the folks on you know in this podcast audience know Kind of some of the big stuff personally for you and Amy. And I don't know. Yeah, we'd just like to catch us up. What's going on?
1: Yeah, Amy and I are uh, expecting a baby boy in January. Yes. And so that is a first for me. So feeling the weight of uh, fatherhood, we're super excited, we're super nervous, we're feeling super humbled. Uh, so it's a, Mm. it's a really exciting, interesting, hard, great time.
0: are you the type of couple that's going to go out and find the books you need to read in order to, to do this thing, you know, a particular way, like what to expect when you're expecting and you're reading all the books about that, or are you just going to kind of talk to people about it or are you just winging it? Are you just going to kind of shoot from the hip?
1: I'm, I'm a planner, and so and I love to read anyway, and so uh, I've been able to. It seems like it seems like shepherding a child's heart is the one that always comes up by I think Paul David Tripp. Uh, I just got the masculine mandate, which isn't necessarily hmm. on parenting, uh, but apparently that's just a really good one on masculinity, and, and since I'm having a boy and, mm-hmm. and just kind of thinking. It's, it's a good time for me to just think about things that may be on autopilot that I haven't thought of before of like, oh, yeah, like I have to shepherd like another little human. So uh, I'm planning on on reading and preparing, but then also trying to hold it with open hands and realize you're not really going to have any idea what you're doing.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. And do you find yourself acting more like a dad? Like you just referenced the fact that you went out and started to attend to your lawn in a very particular way. You said like a dad. So do you find yourself like hiking your shorts up just a little higher, maybe tucking some things in? Do like, you see dad is coming out of you?
1: <laughs> maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit. Uh, and yeah, I guess the, the most, Uh, the best example of that, that I can think of, I guess, is just trying to be a little bit more intentional. Right. Uh, and I can't really think of anything super practical of what that means, but kind of like I said, of just, you know, we, sometimes we just get in a rut of of life that, and we, we don't even really realize the things that we're doing or why we're doing them. Mm -hmm. And I just think that a season of about to be a father makes you like, all of a sudden I was like, wait, do I know how to teach someone to like tie a fishing line? or like a fishing (laughs) knot and I was like would I be able to teach someone like like how to like reload my 243 deer rifle like just little things like that that are like not super like not super important uh things but like little masculine things that then falls into like it's super important things of like oh like how would family worship look like in my house how would I talk Mm -hmm. through how would I talk someone through the gospel who has a million questions and I was talking to my older brother, Granger, and he was like, man, God just set this whole thing up with the perfect timing so that when you feel overwhelmed, you're not giving birth to a 17-year-old who's got all these problems. You know, mm-hmm. you just got to take it one day at a time. Uh, yeah. You get a little baby who's just going to have the faintest little cry and just needs some milk. And uh, I'm not even going to be able to help with that. So mm. <laughs> one day at a time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I have a, a book I'm going to send you. It's, it'll be a gift, actually, for your son, and you can, you can take advantage of reading it, but it is a very particular book uh, that my firstborn, Truett, he received uh, from a good friend of ours, and uh, it has served him well over the years, so I'm excited to send you that. As soon as uh, a name is identified, I can, I can send that book his way and uh and hopefully it'll be one of the first books in his collection but i'm excited for it great that. great and for everyone who's listening they're probably wondering what the book is and you just don't get to know yet you have to sit in suspense what is the one book that i would send a a brand new boy that steps you know foot on this planet uh well maybe parker can disclose that in an episode uh in the new year uh, when he uh has welcomed in his son and it's all well and good so I'm just going to let that hang there. Uh, that may keep people listening for months to come, but we'll wow. just angle that carrot. Yeah. Uh, also, in this season of life, uh, there are changes happening within uh, your family, like your your broader, the Smith family's world, that may have impact on Yee Yee and uh, the apparel company, all that. And so Granger's kind of winding down his touring what are some of the impacts or ways in which that is kind of hitting you?
1: Yeah, I've never known Granger not as uh, a country music singer. Some older brother's a country music singer, for those who don't know. And uh, I grew up going and watching him play in old clubs and dance halls and bars. And uh, that was part of my childhood. And then I came on in 2016 and started working with him and running the apparel, the apparel line, um, for his brand. And so we've, we've really worked together and it's been really strange, uh, knowing that he's giving something up that has basically been a part of his identity, or at least been a temptation to become a part of this identity and who, uh, who he is. And so, um, if any of you listening, have ever just been a part of something, whether it be a sport or whether it be a job, uh, of something that you had done for so long. It's really interesting when it, when it cuts ties and it's really sobering to realize, Oh, that's, Mm -hmm. that's not who I am, you know, um, right. As a, as a human being, that was a job. That was something that I did. And so it's really good and it's really healthy in in a lot of ways in that it's, uh, made me think about the, the how temporal our time is here and, um, kind of like what I was saying earlier where when you just kind of little things happen in life that just kind of shake things up whether it be uh, someone getting sick or a lost job or something big that happens or somebody Mm -hmm. dies um, it it just it like shakes things up where you kind of may have been lulled to sleep by by this world or the temptations of this world and so in a lot of ways it's been it's been healthy and it's been different and there's a lot of uncertainties with our company because our company is pretty reliant on Granger's music career so um, hmm. it's been a time of dependence on the Lord for the future right? and,
0: um, and yeah. How, what do you, how do you respond to people that ask you, what's he going to do now?
1: Yeah, I'd say that, uh, he wants to preach. He wants to share the good news of Jesus Christ. He feels like it's the most important news in the world. It changed his life. Mm -hmm. And he wants to use his platform uh, to share that message and then to also share the message of uh, uh, how Christ uh, is the only true answer to overcoming uh, the grief and the suffering in this world, particularly uh, his grief after losing his son. Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, it's been really cool to see him become a believer and then to not just uh, smother his ambition and just live a life of obscurity, right? He's just as passionate and just as ambitious now. He's just like wanting someone else to get the credit rather than exalting Mm -hmm. himself. He's just trying to tell people about the savior and how it helped him through the loss of his son. So his new book, Like a River, is releasing on August 1st about that story. And so it's been super cool to see him uh working really hard and promoting it and in the writing process and and the marketing process and um and it's been fun for all of us to work on a project like that that's kind of bigger than just well we're just making money to grow a business
0: right right yeah that'll be exciting uh i know that when i've gotten to hear him preach and the opportunities he has i would affirm that he has a gift that he is wise to cultivate, and I'm excited for him to do that, and excited to see how the Lord develops that in him. And I'm also grateful for his commitment to the local church. That you know, it would be easy, I think, for someone like him, uh, with the size of kind of uh, footprint he has globally and also nationally to kind of create this national ministry where, you know, his name's on it and he goes around doing the things that he wants to do. But to see him prioritize his submission within the local church body to pastors uh, that he wants to come underneath and be under their covering, I think is just, it's a great testimony uh, for others, the, the importance of the local church and the the natural order that God has put in place there uh, for our health and for our good and for His glory. So, super exciting to watch and, and to be a part participant in that journey with Him and with you. So, uh, you're back in Texas. You've been back for a while now, a couple months for the summer uh, from DC and we actually i think got to hang out just after you arrived back and we process some of the your takeaways there but uh yeah you're you're now in the throes of the heat of texas and but now you're inside an air conditioned place which is nice and good and now we can take and read are you ready to do that let's do it let's do it well we we came together for that purpose uh just so everybody knows we prayed beforehand Uh, because I think it's crucial uh, when you're getting ready to read the Word of God to uh, talk to Him and ask that by His Spirit He would guide you into meaning and understanding. And so we did that, and we're going to finish out chapter 2 of the book of Acts. So we're in Acts 2, starting in verse 42, and we'll go through the end of the chapter, which is 47. I'm reading out of the ESV. What are you in today? ESV. Perfect. Okay. Okay. Let's get into it. Oh, and just as a recap, uh, so this this passage is going to come on the, the end of what we covered in the last episode, which would have been the people's response to Peter's preaching. And Peter, you know, they had gathered, and they were there in the upper room, and they were waiting for the promised Holy Spirit. The Spirit comes on what is d- described as the day of Pentecost, and the spirit comes and gives them utterance in uh, in a miraculous way, using where they're able to speak in known human languages, the mighty works of God. And then Peter gets up and he preaches this sermon on the day of Pentecost. And then we have these response of many that are cut to the heart. They want to know what can they do uh, in response to this message, message. And Peter tells them to repent and be baptized. And so there's this fulfillment of what Christ had told them in the Great Commission to go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that He commanded. And so you see that being fulfilled there on the day of Pentecost and the beginning of that fulfillment. And so what we read today is then kind of a, a recap of what was going on in kind of that early church. And so uh, that kind of gives us an understanding. So starting in verse 42, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. All right. So we want to start out just ensuring that we know what is being said. So what is clearly laid out in front of us? Are there, do we understand who's there, who the they's are? It refers to they were doing this and they were doing that. Uh, Do we understand what that's referencing? And then there are certain elements here that it might be helpful to understand, I think, Uh, certain terms and concepts. And so as you look at this, what do you first understand about kind of who's present and who's there?
1: Uh, Who is they?
0: I think it would be the immediate verse tells us that after Peter preached, uh, it says in verse 41, so those who received his word were baptized and they, and there were added that day about 3000 souls. And then it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So I think you have this collection of brand new spirit-filled believers that uh, had been baptized and were now a part of this community of believers. So it's a pretty big group. We're not talking like 10 or 12 people, but 3,000 souls added, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So there's this regularity of apostolic teaching that's occurring and we kind of get a sense of what what did life look like for these this the birth of the church what we've got th- thousands of people now who have confessed Christ have been baptized in his name and now it says just like the the great Commission right um, they're being taught all that Jesus commanded, And they're being taught to obey all that he commanded. So there's this teaching that's happening, and there's fellowship, uh, which includes breaking of bread and prayers. And and so there's some interesting components here that kind of describe not only what they did, but kind of the culture that existed in this early church that that was started. So the they, I think, is those 3,000 believers.
1: Okay. Yeah, uh, Devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we don't know uh, specifically if there are certain lessons that are being taught, but apparently the apostles are teaching, and we know that what Jesus promised them is that he would bring—and this is in the Gospel of John—but he would bring—he uh, had taught them some things, uh, but there are other things that he hadn't yet revealed— Uh, but that they would be revealed by the Holy Spirit in due time and that the Spirit of God would bring to remembrance all that He had taught them. And then you also kind of anticipate that some of the content of their teaching would have probably been related to what He taught them for the 40 days before He ascended, that after He resurrected and before He ascended, there's about a 40-day time period, so six weeks, where He spends dedicated time with the apostles, teaching them, it says, about everything concerning the kingdom of god and that's in the the first uh, chapter of acts and so it's likely that whatever he focused on in that time period plus all that he had taught during his earthly ministry is now going to be the content of the apostles teaching and so they're yeah they're beginning this ministry of discipleship which is what they were called to and that includes teaching them
1: and what do you think it Any, means when it says uh, to the breaking of bread? What does it mean to devote yourself to the breaking of bread? Maybe just fellowship with uh, with your resources, with your communion with other believers.
0: Yeah, and so, yeah, you see that this concept of devotion, right? That they devoted themselves to several things, the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. And so that's not—it's the. It's not— fellowship there is a noun, uh, not a verb. So not the activity of fellowship, but the fellowship meaning this group of believers. Now their, their devotion is primarily to this group of believers and then to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And so it could be that there were, uh, there were meals that, um, In the early church, uh, church church historians identify this this thing called an agape meal that would occur. So there would be this public uh, gathering, this regular kind of worship meeting, uh, worship service that would occur, and then to follow that, there was a particular meal that would occur that's called the love meal or the agape meal, where believers would get together, and it was only for those that had been. to use a fancy word, catechized, or that were true members that had been vetted and cleared as true authentic disciples of Jesus. They would gather in kind of a closed session, which would have been a meal, and they're breaking bread, they're sharing a meal, and they're also confessing sin. They're talking about, uh, they're praying for one another, they're sharing uh, all of these different things. And so there's this concept that perhaps that's what that's referring to or it could refer to the lord's supper that as they're getting together there's this kind of organic component of the uh, the sacrament of the lord's supper so communion the the bread and the wine and and what jesus had instituted during the passover meal uh, could have been a regular component of their gathering so i think it includes kind of all of that if that makes sense
1: yeah that's helpful and um, the
0: prayers. And so it refers to the prayers so that there would have been this regularity of praying uh, that would have probably been consistent out of the psalms and other kind of liturgical pieces that would have been characteristic of their their Jewish life already. Right? That And I think that's something that that stands out here that one of the things that we see on display in this passage is that the disciples themselves, the apostles, and these new believers, almost all likely to be Jewish believers because we will find out later in Acts that the gospel extends then to the Gentiles. So, this first section, we understand that these thousands of believers are faithful, devoted Jews, and they don't think that they're starting a new religion. They it's not a brand new faith community that they're starting, but it's in their mind, the continuation because Jesus is the fulfillment of what was prophesied. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Messiah and the expected savior and anointed one. And so for them evidenced by the fact that they're committing themselves to a liturgy that they would have previously experienced in the prayers uh, that they would have been attending the temple, it says in verse uh, 45. Uh, uh, no, 46, and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. And so there's this sense in which they're continuing to to practice a lot of the the Jewish traditions that they had inherited from their forefathers and that this was a continuation, a fulfillment of what their forefathers anticipated not the start of a new religion and i think sometimes that's that's maybe lost in the mix and that now the jews thought they were starting something new right the jewish leadership thought that this was this was a um a perversion of judaism but for the believers themselves it was not it was a fulfillment and so they were still very much uh you know god's people they were still very much jewish and there this new realization right this new wine is not going to be put into old wineskins, skins but new wine skins right this new truth is going to be experienced in a new way so there's there are new cadences that define their life but there are still a commitment to traditional practices so praying attending the temple uh, and certain types of fellowship yeah i think that's important to note Anything else you see here that uh, that kind of stands out as to what might that mean, or
1: in the in the whole section, or in forty two?
0: Yeah, just the whole section itself. I think
1: forty three, all coming on every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Yeah, um, that's that's fairly straightforward. I think that yeah, you know, if you've read through Acts, um, right you see that these signs and wonders were were being done specifically in this time that we don't necessarily see today. Um, I don't know if that all is a direct correlation to the signs and wonders. It seems like it is being in the same sentence.
0: Yeah, I think there is a relationship there. And I think that, to your point, there is clearly through the book of Acts, there are going to be things that occur that are considered miraculous signs and by that they're supernatural they're not things that are naturally occurring in the day to day that that in God's design of creation and nature that that would be typical so these are going to be non-typical things that that occur and so one of the questions is why is it that they're occurring And I think one of the things we see that as these miraculous signs occur throughout the book of Acts, specifically as kind of the uh, demonstration and presence of the Holy Spirit, that in this time in the history of the church, as the gospel is expanding and this message is going out beyond the Jews, one of the things you notice is that when these miraculous signs occur, there seems to be god's endorsement on whatever is occurring to include the people it's occurring to and with that there is this sense of god's stamp of approval and is showing that this is of him as well and so as Mm -hmm. new nationalities are included in this community of believers there are going to be miraculous signs that accompany that as a way of saying this is this has his approval this is a part of his plan and to Kind of demonstrate that publicly. There's going to be this supernatural uh, exhibition that occurs in order to let people know this is of the Lord and what's happening here. So, in other words, if I'm a new believer, okay on it.
1: If I'm a new believer and I'm reading that, I shouldn't be discouraged if I'm not seeing miraculous signs and wonders in my church and being in awe.
0: Right. I don't know that that discouragement should be part of what you feel, I think you'd you'd probably go, man, that would be really cool. I'd love to see that kind of thing. Does that happen today in the world? And I think there are some instances where some of the supernatural interactions that we hear about, and especially reading the book of Acts, there's something specific that God is doing in that season in the history of humanity. And I think it's very specific. But I also think today there are miraculous things that happen there are incredible accounts of what god is doing and i think that you you hear about these and see these in oftentimes in like third world contexts uh i think that there is some some elements to that you hear a lot of stories from missionaries about jesus manifesting to muslims in dreams and muslims not knowing who he is, who this person is that they meet in a dream. And so there are certainly some some compelling stories of God doing miraculous things. And it's one of those where we have to stand back and understand God gets to do, he, he can do anything he wants, any way he wants, whenever he wants. It's It's really his prerogative. And so it's not for us to define when and how he can do things. I think our approach to it has to be, especially as we read the book of Acts, why is it happening like this at this time? Is there any indication we have of what he's doing? And what should we anticipate or expect or understand in our own time as to how he moves and how he uh, reveals himself or gives insight to himself? Uh, And so, yeah, I think that's a good question. But yeah, reading this... I don't think we should be discouraged if we don't see those things. Um, I do have some, some, some thoughts, and I don't know if it's for this particular episode or not, but I have some thoughts about the experience of the Holy Spirit in the West versus other places on earth. And I think there's a particular atheism that still permeates the West in a way that I think Limits our our experience of the Holy Spirit, and I and I think there's particular worldviews that that have found their way into and kind of subtly flow through some of even the United States. As much as we like to think we're a Christian nation, I think there's a lot of uh, atheism and paganism that still exists, and and I think that that has an effect on different things. So yeah. anyway. I don't know what more to say about that, but any, yeah, anything else that we need to see here, I mean, if you were to stand back and describe basically what the scene is, this summary in forty two through forty seven in your own words, kind of how would you paint the picture of what's happening here?
1: Yeah, I'm seeing uh, new believers who are devoting themselves, so more than just uh, viewing from a distance. there's a sense of devotion. Uh and then obviously as you read, there's a sense of awe. The Lord is working things that are miraculous or uncommon. So there's there's something bubbling at the surface here that's really special. Uh there's a sense of unity amidst these believers. Is it saying that they're um together? You see the word common. There's mm-hmm. a sense of extreme devotion in, in that they're selling their possessions. Uh, distributing proceeds as they see need. There's a sense of uh, not holding on tightly to worldly possessions, but for caring for one another, for loving one another, an uh, 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 importance of uh, the local church, and you see that they're day by day uh, attending the temple together, um, and um, I think that's that's an interesting addition and they're doing it all not like the pharisees or um those who were um self-righteous in judaism not doing it to merit salvation they're not doing it um out of self-righteousness to be better than somebody else but they're doing Mm -hmm. it with glad and generous hearts which is super interesting Mm -hmm. and praising god um which is such a different disposition than we've seen with uh, Jesus's mm-hmm. interaction uh, with, with so many people in the book of Mark. Um, and then you see uh, finishing off with the Lord adding to their number day by day. Those who, if it's not clear enough, those who were being saved. Um, really interesting addition there of the sovereignty of God being in complete control of this whole thing.
0: Right, that he's the one adding to their numbers. Mm. You know, it's it's interesting, as you were describing it, and you, you step back and you kind of paint this picture, you see a, a community of people that maybe they had been devoted Jews prior to this and devoted themselves to attending the temple and doing this thing, but more than that, more than just devoted activity, you see there are dispositions of the heart there are like moods that are described here and feelings that are described emotions and a, a daily pattern of life that is now completely reoriented around christ and the gospel where once maybe they had different priorities in their life and and kind of had their their jobs and they would have their worship and they would kind of do their family thing and, and they kind of had these compartments Now there is a complete reordering of their entire world that is these are now their people because they're devoted to the fellowship. They're breaking bread regularly. They're going to the temple. They're meeting in each other's homes. Like their entire life now is with each other. And they're they're so with each other and so involved with each other that they're they're giving whatever possessions they have. They hold everything very loosely because they're just like if you have need, like what's mine is yours. There's this kind of uh, communal commitment to this people that we're committed to one another because our this the center hub of our existence is Christ, and everything emanates out of that love for Him and His love for us. And so it's this re kind of ordering of everything around him and now you see when life is ordered and focused around him and his purposes and his design and his people there's flourishing there's emotional flourishing there's uh, life flourishing kind of in all facets of life and then there's also numerical flourishing there's more added there's this kind of addition because life begets life Mm -hmm. And so it's this really cool picture of like, yeah, I just keep seeing the word flourish. Like there's the seed of the gospels planted in here as Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost. And from that point, over 3,000 are added. And 3,000 people now have reoriented to where their priority is the gospel and the people that are shaped by the gospel. These are their number one. There's no one more important than that. And so then there's this flourishing that occurs is everyone's prioritizing the gospel and these people more than they are themselves which is probably what was true prior to the gospel is their priority was themselves and taking care of themselves and now they're willing to put aside themselves in order to care for other people and you just see flourishing happen that
1: you know, so was interesting that's, yeah go ahead is is when i hear the word flourish my entrepreneurial western mind just immediately thinks money and possessions and you don't really see any of that here you see them Mm -hmm. actually giving away those things not saying that every christian has to sell everything that they have but it's interesting when when i hear you say flourishing when you think Mm -hmm. of the early church it's it doesn't say that the lord gave them each a certain amount of talents or a certain amount of land or a certain amount of cattle uh in terms of possessions and material wealth um but it's like this treasure in and of itself is God himself. And then so there's flourishing in that there's love and community with one another in their devotion to the Lord and this teaching. And it's flourishing because it's, it's better than any amount of uh, uh, anything that, that moths will destroy and rust will fade. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And it brings to mind that this is the fruit right? If we're going to continue that metaphor, a community that has fully embraced the ministry of reconciliation. Paul describes that what we have been given is the ministry of reconciliation. We've been reconciled to God and we've been reconciled to one another. And so there is no longer enmity between us and God and us and other believers and other humans. And so you take that out of it, right? Which that's what was introduced in Genesis three in the garden. They were in a garden that was flourishing and then division enmity was introduced through sin and so then there was this enmity between god and this distance that then occurred between humanity and now what's happened with christ is he's now shaping a new community where reconciliation there's been this complete restoration of relationship between god and man and then between man and man or humanity. And when that's done, when when that reconciliation occurs, it produces life, and it's attractive. More people are brought in as God says, come, and he starts to lure and lead people into this community of life, beginning life. It's so cool. Such a neat passage. And there are sometimes I think people will go to this passage and say, that's how we need to live today. We need to just kind of develop this huge Christian commune, and everyone just sells off what they have, and everyone just puts it in a big pot in the middle, and we all kind of, uh, you know, kind of have, you know, we just take out of the pot what we need, and and all of that, and and I don't know that that's if you're taking that away from this passage, I don't think you're getting what this passage is trying to say. I don't think this is a recipe for communism or socialism. I think what this is an, an indication of that as God was forming his new people, he was evidencing that when that new people is completely reoriented around him and doing life his way, there's going to be fruit and they're both kind of emotionally and within life, but then also numerically that that's people are going to be added. Yep. And, and so we see on display the immediate impact of a life or a community um, that has been redeemed and is repentant. Yeah. Um Yeah, and I just yeah, I just think this this total reorientation, like the it says day by day on multiple occasions in the text, so in verse 46 and in verse 47 giving this indication that day after day This is what their pattern of life was. It was teaching and engaging in the Word of God, right? The apostles' teaching uh, is what will then populate the rest of the New Testament and become these books that are the inspired Word of God. So we can easily say that the the teaching of God's Word, uh, the, the people that are shaped by that Word, and... The regular partaking in the sacraments and and the physical reminding of the gospel and the new life we have in Christ and holding loosely our possessions that that is not not what defines us but it is just a resource by that God gives us in order to bless and love people and that worship of God was was central to this community that they go to the temple what what does the temple represent but the worship of God and so they're worshiping the Lord together they're fellowshipping in homes and they're 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 doing the one-anothering that the the New Testament describes on many occasions. And the effects of that is glad and generous hearts that are full of praise, that they're experiencing favor with God and favor with other people, Mm -hmm. and they're just growing and increasing in, in number. And that's, I mean, that's a picture of what we all want. And I think that's the question I ask, why not us? Why can't we, why can't that happen here? I think there's a lot of things that come to mind. You and I have talked about just the amount of distraction that exists in our lives and and the ways in which we just distract ourselves. You think about social media. You think about streaming movies and TV shows. And even the platform this podcast finds itself on. So you've got unlimited podcasts you can listen to, unlimited videos you can watch on YouTube. (laughs) There's just... So many ways in which we can, we can unknowingly distract ourselves from prioritizing God and His people.
1: Yeah, if so. we talked about what it says, we went through what it means, and then if, if we transition to what does this mean for us, like you just touched on, um, you know, immediately it it uh, I feel a form of conviction of. Man, I'm I'm distracted by this world, and I, mm. I like. Uh, there's a quote that John Piper said where he's like, every morning I need to just get a sword and just he goes, just need to stick it and stick it <laughs> to that part of me that just wants the treasures of this world that's just allured every day. And it reminded yeah. me when you said, day by day, it's just like, man, day by day, um, Lord help me to have this posture. And like you said, I think it's super important. It's not like I have to feel guilty because I have to sell everything that i have and we have to form this uh socialist society but it's like this amazing example of these believers who are completely in awe and, and changed by the holy spirit and this posture of their heart of holding things with an open hand caring for one another having favor with all glad and generous hearts praising god and and, and the Lord sovereign over all of it so it gives me stuff to pray for for sure of lord help me not become to consume with these possessions because I'm missing out on you if I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, yeah. What a cool posture to have. And then, uh, also, uh, just motivating as, as I get ready to join, uh, become a member at EMAIF church here in Georgetown. Um, after we just got back from DC, we've been through the membership process and it's encouraging as we get to know people there and, um seeing seeing the community that you see here um in a certain sense it was being a foundation was being laid like you said that the lord was using these miraculous signs and wonders and then and in another sense uh you know the holy spirit is is alive and active today Mm -hmm. in hearts and changing people and and so in another sense Um, it's encouraging that, you know, we get to be a part of a church and to break bread together and to Mm -hmm. uh, have a posture of loving one another and pray that the Lord would continue to add to our number as well. Those are some, Mm -hmm. anyway, so initial. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's, that's what resonates for me too, is this conviction that I, I'm distracted uh, to, to say that I want to have that level of priority of of prioritizing God, His Word, and His people, um, I definitely have ways in which I need to increase that and ways in which I can do better on that and want to. I I want to be a part of a church community that exists like this. And just the, the motivation I have as a pastor to do what I can to help lead that because I believe that's, god's desire for his people is to to live in that that level of priority and and orientation around him and his word i think a community that's shaped by god's word is going to be uh, a joyful community i think it's going to be a community that god is working through very effectively to draw people to himself and i think that there's going to be a lot of joy experienced in a community like he, like it says here they receive their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. I think that there is some something that is very attractive about that that I want to pursue with my own church family, for sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. Wow. This was a good time in the Word. Thank you so much for being with with me today, Parker, and and taking the time out of your schedule. Um. I want to an encourage anyone. One. It was, it was. And if there's been anything that's kind of inspired others uh, as you've listened to this podcast, I encourage you to participate, uh, share things in the comments that stuck out to you or that certain things that resonated, Uh, love for people to engage in conversation through the comment section on this. Uh, also, if there are questions that came up for either anything that Parker shared or that I shared, please email me at takeandreadpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, love to receive questions and try to get to those as, as soon as I can, if, and I can also get those things on to Parker as well. But what you've experienced is two guys that have encountered Jesus Christ in a profound way that has changed us forever, and we are committed... Uh, wholeheartedly to him and regularly attend to his word because we need correction. We need help. We need guidance on the regular. And so his word helps do that, that he is faithful to speak through his word. We believe his word is living and active and sharper than any two edged sword. And it can, it can pierce and it can, it can divide things and and show us what's true in our own motives and our own hearts. And so that's what you've experienced. And I am encouraged Uh, that others are taking and reading, and I want to encourage everyone to do it even more. And uh, if you want to share, like, uh, comment, uh, that just helps people follow us and find us, uh, because I want to see the Lord stir up a movement of people that are taking and reading His Word, because I think when we do that, we are changed forever, because we encounter the living God. And so uh, thank you again, Parker, for being with me and joining me on this. And I hope everyone out there is blessed when they go take and read the Word of God. See you later.
1: See you guys.